Welcome to Living Well with Ann Beal. Our show is a health show, a lifestyle show, and an empowerment show rolled into one. Get ready to hear some stories of success, healthy living tips, and suggestions to get motivated and live your best life. Now, here is your host, Ann Beal. Good day, everyone, and welcome to my last show of this series. And how fitting it is to have my last show be about Dr. Frank Minerith, my mentor, my professor, my friend. He gave me my first chance at radio in 1998 and um, my first chance at TV. And so um, my show today is memorial to Dr. Frank Minerith. He passed away on January 24th, and um, it has been a heartbreaker to me. So for today, I wanted to bring to you the knowledge of Dr. Minerith and all his resources that are out there to help empower you and live a life of happiness and a life of joy. And um, I have Dr. Jim Slaughter here, my friend and my partner, um, who also was his friend, to talk about him today. And I actually was going to have a lot of people on today, and, um, and I realized really the best thing to do for me was just to share what he was to me and all he's given us. And um, so if we could start, I want to tell you a little bit about him. He was my professor at Dallas Theological Seminary and uh, in Christian counseling, biblical counseling, and professional counseling. And he became my friend. And when I got out to do my internship, I needed to be paid for babysitting for my kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and most internships, people don't get paid. And he said, come work for me. And he paid me great. And I was his assistant for many years. And I learned incredible amounts under this man. And um, he gave me my first chance at radio when he had an emergency in 1998. And he could couldn't get on a show about anxiety. And so he asked if I would go up there and back him up, and I did it at the last minute. And uh, I had a lot of anxiety doing that, but it was really wonderful. Um, And he asked for me to cover him after that many times for years. He believed in me, and he taught me, and he trained me, and he launched me in my successful career as a licensed counselor and on TV and radio. And so... My dear friend and mentor, when he passed away, he left a big hole out there in the Christian counseling field and in Christian psychiatry and just in the field of empowerment because he loved to empower people. He loved to make them feel good. And he wrote over 100 books on how to do that. He wrote books on happiness and how to get rid of anger and how to get rid of worry, how to get rid of anxiety. He wrote book after book after book, and we're going to tell you a lot about them today. Um, so welcome, Jim, to the show. Oh, thanks, Ann. I am so happy to be here and uh, sharing this opportunity with you to talk about our, our friend, uh, Dr. Frank Minerith. And as you were sharing those things, uh, I, I was uh, just thinking that there might be some uh, folks listening to the broadcast today who might not know him. They might not know about him. They might never have heard of him. Uh, I, I wanted to uh, just say for folks uh who might not uh, know him yet, that he, uh, Dr. Minerith was a larger-than-life, uh, almost icon in uh, this part of the country. He could uh, really be referred to as the father of Christian psychiatry. 
And I know for me, I, you know, when I would picture uh, a psychiatrist in my head before I got to know him, uh, I would think of a, uh, an old man with a, a goatee uh, counseling someone lying on a black couch. <clears throat> someone who was kind of straight face sober and sad. And, uh, but when I met Frank, that all changed because I, I, I met a man, I knew a man who was uh, happy, he smiled, and he was in no way distant from his, uh, from his patients or from his colleagues or from his friends. Uh, he was a happy gentleman and yet one of the most brilliant men I have ever known and um, a formal technical genius, a member of the Mensa Foundation, or Mensa, Mensa Society. And so <clears throat> I wanted people to know a little bit about him and, and uh, uh, why we would uh, take the time to do a memorial broadcast about him. And you and I both knew him. Mm-hmm. You knew him much more uh, uh, closely than I did and for a longer period of time. But I, I knew him as well, and I had so much respect for him. And honestly, I, don't think he, I don't think I knew him longer. You knew him as a professor with you, but I actually worked right with him. Right, and, and, uh, and maybe in different ways. But yes. uh, I, I'm just so glad to be able to share a little bit about uh, my knowledge of him and my relationship with him and to introduce some of our listeners to, uh, to him. His, his, uh, his words and his life will live on through his books and through the people who, that he, he had an impact on. So let me just tell you... Um, a little about him in case you live in a place where you haven't heard of him, which is hard for me to believe, but I know it's possible. Um, he was, uh, he had a successful medical practice for over 40 years. Um, and he was distinguished by integrating Christian principles into mental health care. And he and Dr. Paul Meyer, you may have heard of the Minerith Meyer Clinic, um, were the first ones to really integrate successfully Christian principles in with science and have it be a scientific Christian mental facility in healthcare. Um, they co-authored or, um, over 100 books together. Uh, Dr. Minerith authored a lot of books alone, um, including the bestseller, which was one of my favorites, Happiness is a Choice. And uh, it's a self-help book. If you haven't read Happiness is a Choice, it is a book, um, in- incredible book about common psychology and counseling and how to, if you're depressed, 100% to feel better, how to get better on your own, how to think differently and change your life to get through depression, even if you haven't had medicine. But he does talk about how medicine combined with counseling can really help speed up recovery and vault you to health. Mm -hmm. And so um, he also wrote over 50 self-help workbooks, and we use those at treatment ranches around the U.S. Um, You used some of those for your coaching with the men and the groups, didn't you? Yeah, I sure did. And uh, they were invaluable to me in my work with those men at the ranch. And... um, he wrote medical reference dictionaries for psychiatry and for pain relief and for, for prevention and treatment of dementia. And so he had many medical references. In fact, um, the last one he just finished back in 2012. And so that one was really incredible as well. And so I wanted to tell you a little bit about his background. He actually... Um, 
His wife's name, Mary Alice Min- Minerith, and he has five daughters. He has five daughters, and he has left behind five grandchildren. He kept trying for a son. <laughs> didn't make it. Yes. <laughs> and he has degrees. Um, he got a uh, THD from Dallas Theological Seminary. That's a doctorate in theology. Yeah. And, he, of course, he went to med school to become a psychiatrist. He also um, was a part of Mensa, which never surprised me because he was such a genius. And so he took those two degrees, the doctorate in theology and the MD in psychiatry, and combined them. He joined with Dr. Paul Meyer, who was also in medical school with him, to do that. And so he changed the world. And we wanted you to know all about what he did. Now, I met him in seminary, and um, and then I went to work at his clinic, and then worked with him on TV and radio. He had a, a both of them were called A Matter of Caring. And so they're on YouTube, um, and they're all about different topics. He actually did, took what I do now, which is take topics, and um, mental health topics, and especially make them so that they have a pra- practical application into individual lives. And he had a show, radio show, A Matter of Caring for 40 years. And so um, just really wonderful if you can listen to those on iTunes or watch those on uh, YouTube. And, of course, he was on many other radio shows and TV shows. He was on Daystar a lot. Um, And so for me, what he did for me was he taught me how to integrate what I did into a worldview, a Christian worldview, but how to help people when they come in, no matter what their view was, and help them where they were to help them get better. I learned all about medicine, which most counselors don't. He taught me all about medicine and how it worked um, and how it can benefit a patient to get better. He had me write many articles myself um, and paid me to write articles and handouts on topics from blended families and conflict resolution and boundaries and workaholism and keys to communication. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just treated me so well. I watched him in everything he did, and I learned how to run a clinic. He was kind and compassionate to everyone. And I watched that, that no matter how frustrated he got, his compassion came through in a way I'd never seen in someone before. And he also used scripture a lot to encourage people and um, empower them. And I'd never seen a professional in a medical environment do that. And people flocked to him from all over the world. People came in from all over the world. And we would start in the morning very early at 8. And we would he would go until there were no more people. And so sometimes that would be like 9 o'clock at night. Plus, he had his TV show and his radio show every day. And uh, I couldn't believe how many people called, how many people showed up from all over the world to be with him and hear him and just have him encourage them, and he was an incredible genius in medicine. And more than any other doctor I'd ever sent anyone to, I knew if they went to Dr. Minard, they would get better. And so we actually live quite a ways from him now, and I still, if people had really tough cases, I would send them over to the Minard Clinic in Richardson, Texas, because I knew they would get better. Right. Uh, I wanted to say, too, that, <clears throat> you know, you, we believe, we have believed in him. 
and what he can do for people and his style of uh, uh, psychiatric practice and uh, the integration of different kinds of truth in his, in his field. And, and we, we really believed in him. That's why we were willing to send people a long way to see him. But I wanted to say, too, you were talking about how you got started with him. I wanted to say that I've always been impressed with the way he was willing to believe in you when you were just getting started. And he, you know, he uh, he had these radio shows and, and television shows going, uh, where an audience actually would call in and ask questions, you know, and, and he would answer those questions. And he was kind of desperate one day for because he couldn't do the show, and he goes into the office there and asks <laughs> who might fill in for him, and 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 nobody would do it. And finally, you did. He said, "I'll do it." You raised your hand. He I said, did. "Come on with me." He didn't know how that would turn out, but he was, you know, he was trusting God for that, and he and he believed in you, and he put those shows in your hands uh, for a long, long time, and you did great. You you came through for him, but you know, he was willing to uh, to trust you to believe in you for what you did, and he always he always said you're one of the best at this. You're he one did, of the best didn't he? This. He would yeah. tell people. And, <laughs> he would tell he people said, that she's one of the best. She's the one, the, one of the top three best counselors in the country. <laughs> and people would tell me, God, he, he really likes you. He thinks you're like the best in the whole world. I'm like, did he say I was one of the top three? And somebody said, he said top two. I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, top three was funny. But yeah, he, he did that. Uh, he told me I was the bravest person he'd ever met. <laughs> Not too long after I volunteered, and uh, but I didn't know better. You know, I knew somebody had to do the show, um, so it was it was an exciting ride with him. Very, and I know I was very blessed to get that opportunity when I um, when I asked him about what to do when he was my professor about the internship. I didn't even really know who he, I mean, I didn't really know who he was. I mean, I knew he was my professor, and he had this Minerth Meyer clinic, but I didn't really know, you know, and he and Paul Meyer were great as teachers, um, but I had no idea, and so I know that it, it was God's path for me that I ended up meeting him and mm-hmm. having him do so much for me, and um I appreciate you being on today, Jim, so that you helped me because I, I, as you know, I get teared up at times uh, during this because he means so much to me. And I think that um, there's probably people all over the world having a hard time about this, and so I'm not the only one. But I was a little worried. Um, Some people were thinking about waiting and doing the show later, but I just felt really deeply I wanted to do it now. And so I knew I might tear up. (laughs) And so if you guys can can bear with me, um, let's talk about what he brought to the world. Sure. Absolutely. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, that concerns that was my first exposure to him, which actually was after I had uh, taken a pastor, a young pastor in California. And uh, during my seminary days, just before that, we had gotten uh, some advice. I'd gotten some advice from an older professor who was very well known by the publishing industry, published many, many books. And he said, what you need to do is, he said, you just you know, when you find out that a book's coming out, a publisher will be uh, advertising a, a, a coming edition of some kind, uh, write to him and ask him for a pre-publication copy and see if they'll give you a free one. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I didn't know anything, so I thought, why not try that? So I, was, I, I, so I read about uh, Dr. Menner's book coming out, Happiness is a Choice. 
which ended up being his most well-known and book. I mean, it's famous in, in, in those circles. So, uh, <clears throat> but I didn't know too much about him at the time. So I, but I, I saw that book coming out; it looked good. So I thought uh, I'm gonna. I contacted the publisher. I wrote him and I said, uh, you know, I saw this book's coming out. I'm a pastor in California. Would like to preview it for you know and for my congregation. Uh, would you be willing to send me a uh, complimentary copy? And they wrote back and said, we would be happy to do that if you would write a statement, uh, just a, uh, a, a brief statement of what you thought of the book. And I said, I'd be happy to do that. So they sent me a copy. And honestly, I read through this. And it, in, in many ways, for me, it was personally life-changing. I, you know, I ordered the book thinking, well, this might help my, the people in my church. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, first, it started by helping me see parts of myself I'd never known before, never seen before, more about who I was than I ever knew before. And so then I passed, you know, that on the knowledge of it on to my, uh, my congregation, the people in my church. And I did. I wrote back, uh, I wrote back a statement uh, to the publisher about what I thought. And they, <laughs> the funny thing was, it ended up being uh, one of those state in the first edition of the book when it came out. They they included my statement in there among the the, uh, the the statements and the contributions that other very very well known uh, medical people and authors and people like that 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 most everyone would know the names of. Their statements were in there. This is a great book. It does this. It does that. My statement, very, very young, almost very, very, uh, not, not all that knowledgeable at that point, uh, but my statement showed up in there, and I thought, wow, that was so cool. But, but I, I, want, I want everyone to, uh, who's listening to us today just to be aware of uh, that one book, uh, among the others, but that one in particular, Happiness is a Choice is a life changer. And so uh, I, I want to get that out for sure. And that, that was my first introduction to him. He, he became a teacher for me through that book. Isn't that great? Yeah. A lot of people don't know that that's how they get people to write on the back of the books. <laughs> and so you gave that secret away. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you were on his first book, and I, I didn't remember that. And so that's so cool. Um, and that book, you know, was and still is, uh, he took people and gave them hope. And I think that that's one of the main things that Dr. Minerth believed in. I mean, he was always kind. He was always compassionate. And he believed, just like Joel Osteen does, really, give people hope and they will be healed. Hope for healing yeah. and believing in something and believing in a higher power to help you, believing that God can heal and that your body is made to heal itself if it's given the right things. And um, attitude is one of the most important things. And people, many times when they've been sick, especially cancer survivors, will talk about the attitude is so important mm -hmm. and that anger and bitterness and the, all those stress feelings um, that build up inside of you, anger turned inward, can kill you. Mm -hmm. And so he did the opposite of trying to get you to let those go and be happy. Happiness is a choice. Happiness is a lifestyle. That was his other book. Mm -hmm. And that is how I became a happiness coach, which <laughs> is what right. I am. That is right. And I am, and people say I am John Galt. I am whoever. And I say I am Dr. Frank Minerith mm. because he's taught me everything I've become that I teach to people about happiness and joy and how to bring that. And as a coach, 
As a life coach, I bring teach people how to be happy and bring them joy. So we will stop for a break here. And when we get back, we will talk more about Dr. Frank Minerith and our memorial to him. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Most married men experience frustration because there are things they want from their wives but don't know how to get them. Nothing seems to work. Desires are unfulfilled fantasies unrealized and relationships become stagnant men are desperate today for a richer deeper more satisfying and intimate marriage dr jim slaughter teaches men how to have the passionate fulfilling marriage they've always wanted call 817-991-4964 or email jslaughterphd at yahoo.com to begin transforming your marriage into what you want it to be Mothers and daughters have a unique relationship. There are trying times and loving times. There is joy and there can be heartache. Listen for Communicating from the Heart, the empowered mother-daughter relationship. Your hosts are Elizabeth Lutz along with her daughters, Danielle and Melissa Schoeniker. Come with them as they share an open and honest discussion to help mothers and daughters everywhere strengthen and support their own relationships. Listen Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to Living Well with Ann Beal. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to our memorial show for Dr. Frank Minerith. During the break, I just got an email and a text that made me cry a little bit. Uh-oh, what um, that? Just saying that they're crying right now, and they're so proud of Jim and I, and Dr. Minerith would be so proud of us, and that they love the show, and they think it's great. And... Um, I just looked at that right before coming back, <laughs> and so I'm trying to gather myself a little bit. Okay, maybe, uh, maybe I could jump in here uh, just for a second. I, you know, kind of uh, um, springboarding from the Happiness is a Choice book, which was uh, just so excellent and helpful, and, and continues to be that. I use many of his books. I mean, I read them for my own uh, well-being and, and, and as a self-help for my for my uh, myself, but. Also recommended his books uh, many many times, and when we worked together at uh, his 
treatment ranch in uh, the Ozarks in Arkansas. Big Creek wrote, Ranch. Yeah, Big Creek Ranch, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But uh, there, I got to really use some of his workbooks a little bit better because we would meet with people who really needed help. We'd meet with them in groups and use these workbooks, and they were it's incredible how people would get better just by coming and being a part of groups that we would do there. And, and a lot of it had to do with the, the, the work that we were having them do in things like the anger workbook and, you know, the, the worry workbook. We use these over and over again. I, I used in, in some of my, my uh, uh, master's level and doctoral level courses that I would teach later, I used the father book with people who were studying uh, some form of family ministry or personal relationship ministry. In the now, family. was that in Christian home class? No, it was later than that. It was later than yeah. that. Yeah, but um, <clears throat> there's there's also another one that he put out that he he published that I thought was really excellent that I loved using at the ranch and it was called Just Like Us, fifteen stories about biblical characters. It shows uh, he he pulls out some uh, biblical characters and shows how their struggles, whether it was an Old Testament look or a New Testament look, whatever, the, their struggles are just like ours. I mean, the struggles haven't changed. In 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 uh, centuries, you know, in millennia, the, the the struggles haven't changed, and the way out of trouble hasn't changed either. And he has us look to a higher power, to God, to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, um, and, uh, and and realize that uh, we can have the same kind of success uh, through our struggles that they did even back then. And so, just just wanted to to mention those because those books have been ones that I I benefited from and used. Well, and I think part of the reason he was so able to do that was he was um, well-trained in the Navigator Ministries. Um, and so through that, he became a consultant to numerous hospitals and healthcare programs mm-hmm. nationwide by combining the psychiatry and the THD, you know, the doctorate in theology, and his navigator Navigator's background. I mean, he knew Scripture he Which is scripture. their strong point. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. And, that, and for me, I think I paled so in comparison to him that hmm. I couldn't think of scriptures. And I know a lot of Christians out there have that trouble. That um, And I could think of a scripture, but I couldn't think of the reference. And you're mm-hmm. very good at that. You're, I don't know if you're as good as Dr. Mitterrand, well, no, no, even no. though you— I, I, There's no way I could touch him. He, he <laughs> was amazing. And part of it was because I really I really believe he had a photographic memory. I mean, you could—those big dictionaries, those things were thick that he published. I know. And, you know, <laughs> we, we had to look everything up. You could ask him a question, and he knew it off the top of his head. And I thought, how does somebody do this? You, you know? can see it working in his brain. Also, right. I mean, I, 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 I earned a degree in— a, a doctoral degree in theology, uh, which then be- turned into a, a, became a PhD, which I use all the time. And I, I honestly don't know how he could get two doctorates like that. Two because, doctorates, yes. Right. The THD is a very difficult doctorate to earn. The MD is a very difficult doctorate to earn, much less a specialty in psychiatry. Right. And I'm thinking, how, how, does, how does somebody do that? You know, it was, some people give their lives just to one of those. And so anyway, he was... He was uh, he was a kind of mentor to me and, and, and really kind of uh, larger than life, but he, at the same time, a really, really nice, good man. Yeah. Well, he could be such a genius because he came from Arkansas. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> I came from Arkansas. <laughs> I never thought about that. <laughs> Sorry. He, he, he was a Razorback. <laughs> uh, he went to, uh, that's where he went to med school. Yes. University of Arkansas. Yeah. 
And so you know those Arkansans. Well, yeah, I've heard of them. so smart. (laughs) But he also was an ordained minister. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, honestly, if he had lived 20 or 30 more years, who knows what else he would have become. Oh, I know. Right? And in the short amount of time that he lived, till 68, it is unbelievable. It's like overwhelming to, and like even you and I going through all his books, mm-hmm. seeing how many we've used and, you know, the, some of the coolest books <laughs> um, that I've come across in the last five years are things about him. You know, his, he has five daughters and his daughters wrote a book, a Carrie. Oh, that's right. I don't know that's if it was right. just <clears throat> Carrie, mm-hmm. but they wrote the, the books about their dad at the ranch. Yeah. And, um. He is, we'll have to talk, we'll have to look at that, the name of those books. They're children's books. And they have the Big Creek Ranch where the cabins are and their dad um, hanging around and all the stuff they did at the ranch. And he's like, um, kind of like uh, a big, like, well, the, 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 he, he called himself Buffalo Frank. Buffalo Frank. And the books were about Buffalo Frank and his uh, children and friends and all that. And it was done as a children's book. It's so And great. they're delightful. I just found one of those in the cabin, one of the cabins at the ranch. And I read and I thought, good night. This is about him. It was great. And his kids and his uh, yeah. wife, Mary Alice. And, and they're so, so cute. And they're so interesting. And we had fun with those at the ranch. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's so many. It's a whole series. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I didn't even know there were even existed. Well, and they're so well illustrated. They're for kids. And and it's the kind of book. It was published by a a name publisher, you know, a a high-profile publisher. And the illustrations are professionally done. And they're they're wonderful for, for kids, but also for the adults who who take the kids through and read it to them, right? And they're they're adorable. I mean, I just they're adorable, and they really do depict the ranch, and they depict Blueberry Hill. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that where yeah. Dr. Minner is buried, mm-hmm. um, are going to be buried, um, and um, that was his favorite place at the ranch, and they do have a cabin there, mm-hmm. and that's also his favorite song that he named the cabin after <laughs> right. blueberry hill well yeah yeah and uh <laughs> I, we uh we you know you and i both got to uh we were invited to come up and represent him as as life coaches and uh and counselors at the treatment ranch in colorado big creek ranch and it is not in colorado arkansas I, what did i say colorado? i'm sorry <laughs> arkansas no, don't it looks like that. colorado it look, yeah because of the kind of the uh the, you know the the setting and everything but people need to get the picture of this i mean if you could picture a cabin in the mountains or two cabins in the mountains mm-hmm. and what that might look like stone cabins uh, built into the the mountain and everything and horses and and, and stock and and wildlife everywhere uh, the woods out there that's what this looks like 300 acres 300 acres of it and uh, he has a ranch for people who need help and they come there and and we got to go and uh, and, and minister to those people and, and serve them, but uh, yeah, and I, I think it was the most wonderful thing. Uh, Dr. Meredith loved '60s music. He did. <laughs> and he had a, a there was a jukebox in the basement of one of the cabins, and uh, it was filled with '60s 45s, and yeah. we could play those. And his very favorite was that old Fats Domino uh, favorite, uh, Blueberry Hill. I found my thrill on Blueberry Hill, and so he named a portion of the ranch Blueberry Hill. Yeah, for that reason, his yeah. favorite part. Yeah, he was such a, a 
wonderful man with such a wide personality. I mean, he um, his passion was really people. Mm-hmm. And um, for over 40 years, what he really wanted to do was help people find a balance in their lives spiritually, psychologically, physiologically, mm-hmm. and emotionally. And so he wanted them to focus on hope and getting rid of bitterness and worry and anger and all those bad emotions. Um, he believed in treating the whole person. Well, yeah, and, and those four uh, components are the four major components of humanness. I mean, that's what makes up human beings. Mm-hmm. That's who all of us are, and the way we we become healthy and stay healthy is to develop those four components of our of our personality and our humanness in uh, in the right way and that's what he helped people do i remember one thing that he always used to say to couples and people and you know, individuals whatever but he, he would say be kind to one another that, that was almost his last word don't forget to be kind to each be other kind. be kind to each other yes and then that personifies him I and mean, that would personify him he was a kind man and he uh he helped other people remember to be kind. And I think he, he believed that that was the, the, the major focus of, of healthy living and, and friendship. Yes. And I, I, that's why, I, you know, knowing him the way I knew him for so long, that when someone would say that he said something negative, you know, or um, mm, um, talking behind someone's back or something like uh, that. I, I knew it wasn't true, and <laughs> no. I didn't say anything to them. I would just listen, but I but I just knew it wasn't true. Um, I never heard him say one negative comment ever. Yeah, in fact, the most stressed out I saw him was um, with his friend Rodney about his legacy, and he was like, "Rodney, we're building a legacy here," <laughs> oh, yeah, <right. laughs> but he didn't. Uh, he didn't. He didn't get angry like that. Now I did not live with him, so I don't know what his right, wife right. and daughters, you know. And uh, but I, I would kid around with Dr. Menard that he was very obsessive. Uh, when I worked with him, he would. Um, I mean, I was like, how in the world did he write so many books already? Oh, I know. But I, I began to see why. When I worked with him, I would go ahead and and see the the patient. If there was a new patient, he'd be in the room beside me. And he would be writing. He would be drawing pictures of the brain and writing either about obsessive compulsive or anxiety or but all about how the brain worked, you know, and what they could do. And so he'd be just doodling. I call it doodling because he would just be writing. He never just sat and didn't do anything. He would sit and write for like that 15 minutes. I was doing the intake and getting the client ready. And then he would come in to see the client. Then I would go in the next room or, or I'd go back in the other room and get his papers and then move him into the next room. He'd be waiting, mm. so he could fit. In the, so he'd go in there for that ten or fifteen. He'd write again, and so he'd write and he'd write and write. And eventually, the publisher would call, and we'd gather up all his notes, and we'd send them in. And it was just incredible. So I was like, Oh my gosh, he's so obsessive. He can't stop writing on the brain. He would write and write and write. Well, and you look, you know, when you think about it and look at what he, all that he contributed to, uh, well, to the world, but also specifically to his field. Yeah, yeah, I began to wonder if the guy ever slept. I think this is a guy who, for some reason, doesn't need sleep. You know, he just, he's got to have 24-7 to do all that he does, but somehow he packed it in, you know. Well, and he had childhood diabetes, and so that was the only, like, I never, ever saw him sick. He Mm -hmm. had more energy. I was his assistant with Mike Brown, um, and they were training me. Mike Brown had been his assistant for a long time. And um, 
I couldn't keep up with Dr. Minerith. Uh, Dr. Minerith put Mike Brown with Dr. Goldman, Dr. William Goldman, who's now in Southlake. Incredible, incredible psychiatrist. Um, Dr. Minerith was working with Goldman right out of school and put Mike with him to train him and mm. put me with Dr. Minerith. And so <laughs> I was starting to keep up. And I tell you, I mean, he had so much energy that from 8 in the morning till like 8 or 9, sometimes at night, 6 or 7, sometimes there were like 60 clients that came in. I remember one time there were 67 clients. And I don't even remember what time we got done. It was a crazy day. And he still had energy. But we had to watch him that if he started getting kind of tired, like um, we knew it was a, you know, a sugar imbalance. Mm-hmm. So we'd have little pieces of candy or a little soda or something for him. And then he'd be, boom, the Energizer Bunny would be up and going again. It was crazy. Right. And so I actually got to where I was forgetting, <laughs> real forgetful, because I, I hardly, I mean, I've never worked like that in my life, right? Oh, yeah. And, um, and I was young. I was like 27. And- <laughs> Can I jump in here? I'm sorry, but I was just thinking how formative he was in, in your, your own uh, life and your ministry, and what a divine appointment it was that you were the one who got to be with him. Yeah, I know. And I saw all kinds of things. And he would say, um, and you can do this. You can see this person. And I'm like, uh, you just said they had trichotillomania, and I don't even know how to spell that. <laughs> and he was like, all you got to do is go get this go get this book and go get this handout and go get this and go get that and read this, this, and this. And I would be like, and I would just write it all down because I was scared to say no to him. I, and not that he ever, in fact, when I finally did say no, he was like, because I was like, I can't keep working like this. <laughs> and he goes, no problem. Just bring on more people. Bring on more interns, whatever you need to do. Yeah. I brought on six more interns to keep up with him. Six. Yeah. And so, and they're all counselors around the Metroplex. Mm-hmm. That's what's so cool. And you trained them. I did not train them. Oh, you didn't? I, I mean, I you. helped them, <laughs> okay. but I did not train them. Because he would sit there and say, <clears throat> this is crazy. He would say, okay, Ann, they've never had friends. They, they said they've never had a friend. Never had friends since they were this age. They started having this system. They started having that symptom. And now... This is what's happening. So what do you call it? And I was like, uh, <laughs> schizophrenia. And he's like, no, no, think harder. Come on. They never have friends. And I and I just sit there feel like I was on Jeopardy, you know, like <laughs> terrified that I would answer wrong. And then I said, schizo effective. And he was like, yes. <laughs> and so he just trained me in all of, I mean, I can diagnose fast. Yeah. And people will say, how do you know that? So I just know because of this, 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 and this. And um, and I watched him heal people with medicine. I saw many different types of medicine with many dip- different types of problems. And, um, and just I, because I saw so many so often, and I know the medicine so well. So when someone comes in and I have a client come in and they'll tell me they're on something, I'll know immediately if it's the wrong medicine and can refer them back with a suggestion. Mm-hmm. for the doctors and they're very kind when I do that they're very patient and um, it's just been a, a whirlwind um, that I lived learning from him and so I do admire him I'm in mm-hmm. awe of him and um, never could imagine him not being here and so he is with the Lord now and um, I know he's dancing on a cloud and <laughs> probably the Blueberry Hill Yeah, probably and so we have right. to break right now And um, we'll follow up more soon with Dr. Minerith when you get back.
us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home, and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Most married men experience frustration because there are things they want from their wives but don't know how to get them. Nothing seems to work. Desires are unfulfilled, fantasies unrealized, and relationships become stagnant. Men are desperate today for a richer, deeper, more satisfying, and intimate marriage. Dr. Jim Slaughter teaches men how to have the passionate, fulfilling marriage they've always wanted. Call 817-991-4964 or email jslaughterphd at yahoo.com to begin transforming your marriage into what you want it to be. Are you living your dream yet? If not, then why not? Everyone has a greatness inside of them to achieve what they deserve in their lives. But how do you find the motivation to get started? Tune in to Your Authentic Life with host Susan Cranston. Susan's advice, along with expert guests, will help you improve your relationships, start or change your career, and achieve the seemingly unattainable goal. Listen live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Living Well with Ann Beal. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to our memorial show about Dr. Frank Minareth. Um, on the break, I got more texts and emails. Um, people telling me the name <laughs> of <laughs> the name of uh, Dr. Minareth's books for children. Uh, Carrie Minareth, his daughter, wrote them. The Great White Buffalo Adventure. Um, and then someone else said, Buffalo Frank's Campfire Tales. <laughs> and The Band of Merry Bandits. By publisher Thomas Nelson. Thank you, guys. I appreciate all that help. <laughs> yeah, and, right. And he, he his ranch was on the Buffalo River. Yes. Right. And yeah. uh, and so he referred to himself. You know, those stories are about Buffalo Frank and and everything. I, I thought they were delightful, and uh, I hope the uh, uh, listeners will look them up and read them to their kids because they're really wonderful. And I bet most people don't know they're out there. No, I didn't know because I would have known. Right, oh. me of all people, I <laughs> right. couldn't even believe it. But he doesn't talk about himself like that. Never. Ever. <laughs> never. You know, and that's yeah. he never. He was the he was the most down to earth person and forgive me if I keep saying he is and he was and I, I can't keep up about him being gone yet so it's not quite real to me well he will he will always be alive through the legacy that he leaves and and I, I do I want to talk about that a little bit more before the end of the show yes his legacy is incredible I just want to let you know some of the books that um helped me tremendously uh some of them are on the brain 
how to boost yeah. your brain power. Now, a lot of people know uh, Dr. Amen's books. Daniel Amen, um, right. <clears throat> Daniel Amen, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life, and all those. And he took a lot of those from Dr. Minner's writings on the brain, um, how to boost your brain power, how to become smarter. Um, and Dr. Minner would talk to me about that kind of stuff, things I could do when I got so forgetful. I mean, I drove off with the gas thing in the gas tank one time, I think, well, twice, actually, the while hose, I was working with him, the hose, <laughs> and drug it across the parking lot. I was so concerned. Do I have Alzheimer's? <laughs> he was like, no, you need to get more sleep. And so he would talk to me about how to get more sleep. So he has a sleep book. He has two books on sleep. He has um, books on worry. So a lot of people can't sleep because of worry and anxiety. I think he has a book on dreams, too, which is... Uh, Does he? Are you so. sure? I think so. A dream book. That would be hilarious. I, I, I don't know about that one. Um, he has a book on forgiveness, a few books on forgiveness. So that you, all of the forgiveness that he would talk about is how important it is for, for your health. Right. Your physical, mental, spiritual health. Mm-hmm. It isn't about what you do for other people. It's about you being okay. And... Um, you know, other people have written books called um, Stress Less and um, Deadly Emotions. And Dr. Menrith believed that totally, that emotions can kill you, those deadly, dark mm-hmm. emotions. <laughs> and wants you to get them out of your body. And so put together tons of books for people to be able to do that. And the great thing was he could bring it down to our level. And I mean the simple, <laughs> and that was one of his greatest legacies, is he could bring these technical things down and he would figure out how to relay them to people on a level that they could understand just a basic normal level well this is one of the the amazing things truly amazing things about him because you know you think a a person who um, had uh, achieved so much in in a scientific community would be just kind of over everybody's head that was that was never the way it was with him and so all of his books are uh, they are um, that put together in such a way that everybody gains from them. They're on a, a layperson's level, and he does it in, like you said, such a practical way that everybody comes away uh, being able to use the material. Uh, he was so amazing that he could put together uh, just a great combination of his his scientific background, his theological background, <laughs> and his practical. Uh, approach to uh, people healing. It was just the most amazing thing. And I, I always admired that about him. Well, and I'm like, I'm just a down to earth person. And, and I always understood him. And that was amazing to me, you know, and mm-hmm. he would talk to me about, oh, you should apply for Mensa. I was like, <laughs> what? Why in the world would I want to do that? And he said, you're just a genius. You're a genius. And I was like, uh, you know what? I already believe I'm a genius. Why would I want to take a test that might tell me I'm not? <laughs> I mean, I've never even taken an IQ test because I don't want to know. I just have to believe that I'm smart, right? And so I don't want to know otherwise. I like the way I feel about myself. <laughs> and so he would laugh. <laughs> yeah, I, he was a genius, you know, and even Dr. Goldman. I mean, I'd watch the two of them the way they would be. But yet when they would talk to me, both of them, anything they wanted to teach me or anything that they wanted me to do, okay, they would talk to me on a level I could really understand and always understand, you know, about my homework or what I needed to learn or, oh, go work, you know, even trichotillomania, which actually is 
you know, pulling your hair out. Um, I don't know why they use these big words, <laughs> but uh, he taught me so much about how to help people. And he believed in me. And that's the thing. It wasn't just me. I mean, his anger workbook and his, his anger book are with Dr. Les Carter, who works with Dr. Goldman in Southlake. Mm-hmm. And doc, Dr. Les Carter also did the TV and radio with Dr. Minerith, he loved empowering people that worked with him. He wrote books. All these books are either with, you know, Dr. Meyer, Paul Meyer. They're with Stephen Otterburn, who now has mm-hmm. the New Life Clinic. Mm-hmm. They're with um, uh, Hemfelt. Well, right. I can't remember his first name. And so many people, Fawcett, just over and over, people he wrote with because he loved doing that. Mm-hmm. He loved empowering other people. And making them big with their knowledge, whatever it is, whatever their specialty. Now, one of my specialties was blended families. Mm-hmm. And he kept telling me, I need, to write, I need to write something on that. He goes, you really need to write. I'm like, well, if I could sit down long enough, I know I have some really profound things to say. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, you do, actually. Yeah. And, and if I had what he has, like you just you know, write notes when you're you know, just write and write and write and then send them off to a publisher. That would be cool. You know, I haven't had a publisher say, send me your notes. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I did have one publisher say that, actually. Um, but, yeah, so that's the cool thing is that he wrote his books with other people, you know, Richard Fowler. Um, and so he loved doing that for people. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think there's so many people. He made everyone feel so good, so special, and um, – he loved everyone. And I really feel like he loved me like a daughter. You know, not his daughters. Of course, I wasn't his daughter. But he, even my own kids, he talked to them in a way that a, a father would mm-hmm. and cared for them when they were sick, you know. And uh, he, he, he would be like, bring them here <laughs> and uh, treated them so gently, carefully, fatherly. Um, and I would see him do that with his patients. And that was just an incredible thing about him. He made people feel so loved. Yeah. You know, whenever you would uh, uh, run across him, meet up with him or go see him or whatever, you would always say, I am so glad to see you today. I'm so glad. And he was one of the few people, <clears throat> excuse me, he was one of the few people that could say that and you would know it wasn't a cliche he really meant that he was really glad to see you and that's one of the ways that i mean and then he would start a conversation and you would feel so special with him yeah Yeah, and even if i you know i would get frustrated at times with people that worked with us and um we worked right with a group of people we would get frustrated with these other times working at the ranch or wherever Mm -hmm, we were mm -hmm. working there because everything was so when you're working with people's lives and it was a pretty intense time at the ranch um, or even in the clinic because people were sick and we were trying to get them well so whether it be um, the clinic or the shows or the ranch the treatment centers or wherever or even the um, Minerith which I forgot the Minerith programs at the treatment hospitals Mm -hmm. you know UBH had the Minerith program um, green, Greenwood, Green, oh. anyway, mental health facilities, they would have the Minerith program, which people could choose to go in for treatment for depression or suicidal thoughts or whatever it was. They could choose to go into the regular program or they could choose to go into the Minerith Christian program. Mm-hmm. And um, those programs were incredible. He would really treat the whole person spiritually yeah. and physically and physiologically and everything. And that was one of, that was his strength. strength that was, his, and yeah. he started those. And so, yeah. um, so for me, even when I would get frustrated, you know, 
he and I'd say, oh, you know, Rodney or uh, States or whatever. I was just frustrated. And I would say something to him. He'd go, but now, wait, no, Rodney is so good at what he does. He can do this and he can bring in money and he and States is so good. And he would change my mind. You know, he'd get me out of that frustration and make me feel good about what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And that is how I know that even when I was frustrated with people, because people can be frustrating, (laughs) (laughs) he would turn it around and show me, yeah, but look, they are working hard and they're doing this and they're doing that. And and he never talked bad. Mm -mm. Uh, Never. And... um, I mean, sometimes he, his, his, what I saw in him when he was frustrated was such a mild, mild, mild frustration compared to my frustration. (laughs) And so that was such a wonderful thing that he would, he would turn it around in his personal life Mm -hmm. with us um, and be able to empower us to complete the work he had for us as a team. And he was a, he was a good team player. Absolutely. He, you know, we, uh, we served together on the faculty at Dallas Theological Seminary. We were colleagues. He taught in the counseling department. I taught in the, uh, the Christian education department. And <clears throat> I, I remember, we, we, uh, I didn't get to know him very well then, but we would, we would, I'd be walking down the hall and see him. And uh, I'd say, hey, Frank, how you doing? He'd say, I, with a huge smile on his face, I'm doing really, really well. How are you today? And you you just got the impression that he meant that you know I'm well how are you, uh, and um, I always he never seemed self absorbed he never seemed upset about anything he never seemed distracted uh, he just seemed like a really good guy which is what he was and yet a genius at the same time so he was a he was a great combination of uh, of many strengths and he was always writing things for parents to help cuz one yeah. of the things he realized yeah. that a lot of the negative emotions weren't just in adults that they could they would start when kids were small anger being turned inward that would cause them to get depressed or anxious he mm-hmm. knew that mm-hmm. um depression and anxiety were usually from anger turned inward um and so he would work on like he would come out with books with people on the anger workbook for for parents or the anger workbook for Christian parents or um, the worry workbook for parents. And, um, mm-hmm. and so he wanted even small kids to find the joy in life. It's so sad because kids, kids, you know, you remember being a kid, you know, <laughs> yeah. how wonderful it was. He wanted joy. He wanted mm-hmm. to bring happiness. And, and I think for me, when I think of him, I think of a happy person. Mm-hmm. Um, now he was, he was a workaholic, I would say, because <laughs> I thought I thought I was a workaholic until uh-huh. I met him. I mean, he felt like he was on a mission uh, for God, and um, it was very hard for him to ever stop. Uh, wanted to provide well for his family, and um, he uh, he he did have an incredible, incredible work ethic. I think that of all the things I learned from him, um, his caring heart. His incredible work ethic, his ability to process information, and his ability to simplify, which made him so incredible on radio and TV, mm-hmm. because he would he was able to take topics and make these sound bites that were so powerful. And I know a lot of people when they talk about different people on TV or radio, they they come up with these little cliche sayings, right? Sound bites, and he he could do that. And he taught me how to do sound bites. Um, but I didn't realize that's what he was teaching me by just watching him mm-hmm. and, um, and being around him. So 
I think for him, the only thing I don't think he ever wrote a book on was work ethic. <laughs> Which, you know. <laughs> probably didn't feel qualified. <laughs> he didn't feel qualified. Right. Well, had, how to put it into words. Maybe he didn't know how to do that. Well, what I meant was uh, he, he, he worked as hard as anybody I've ever known, but he probably didn't feel like he even worked hard enough. You know, sometimes folks who get in that situation, they, they you know, they don't think about that. And that's a personal statement, isn't it? Because perfectionists, <laughs> you know, perf- high perfectionists do, they're only as good as, they, they aren't, like you don't take any history from the days. I mean, no, no. you're only as good as you are that day. Right. And then when the day starts over, it's like you start again. And yeah. do you start again at zero and you're working your way up to 100? Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, you know, you still have to, to uh you, you have the scale to climb, you know, that day. Which is why I believe he didn't talk much about the past. He didn't He didn't talk about what he did in the past, really. I mean, if you asked him, he would, but he never talked about that because what was important to him was the present and the future. Let's, in what he was doing today, for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't spend much time in the past at all. No. And that was really cool to learn that the past is history. Yep. And uh, you can't go back and redo it, and you also can't live off of it, because he could have just sat back and lived off of the first hundred books and not written anymore, because he did not stop after that. I mean, I say over a hundred; it could be two hundred, because it was over a hundred when I started working with him <laughs> back yeah, in the nineties. Right. And so, you know, it's um, it is an incredible um, legacy that he's left, and mm-hmm. we wanted to share with you about my good friend, my mentor, and um, that he passed away and left a big hole. But thankfully, he left behind, which I'm sure he did on purpose, all these books, DVDs, CD resources, and a legacy of people all over the world that he's trained and taught and influenced for tomorrow, for people to grow for Christ, and for people to be happy, because happiness is a choice. Right. And when you choose happiness, happiness becomes a lifestyle. Absolutely. And so thank you, Dr. <laughs> Slaughter, for being here today and joining us. My pleasure. It and, was wonderful. Um, Lots of fun. Thanks, everyone, for joining me in this series. And uh, I'll see you in the next series of Living Well with Ann Beale. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us. Living Well with Ann Beal airs live every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to see you again next week. 